Welcome to season six of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your marriage and home. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate. And I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast. This season, we're talking about what it means to be strong in body, mind, and spirit. And I'm giving you the challenge of rising above your circumstances to become the best version of you. So grab a cup of coffee or head out for that run. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is Matt Weathers. Today's episode is part of a three-part series on restoration. In this series, Corey will unpack God's design for restoration in relationships, especially your marriage. Recorded at a faith-based event in Oregon, Corey shows how your marriage can move past hurt and into a more intimate and forgiving place. While the Life Giver podcast is not necessarily a faith-based podcast, it is a place for honest conversation. And we believe that conversation often needs to address the deeper questions of spirituality and deeper healing for the soul. I'm so excited to see you guys. You came back. I mean, like, I was pretty direct with you last night. You still showed up. Thanks. Um, So excited. And I have to point out, some of y'all are sitting closer. And I just had to think to myself, y'all are leaning in. I kind of feel like you're just kind of leaning in, and I like it. Um, So good to see you this morning. Um, We are going to wrap up our equation, if you will, um, with talking about um, not just the why, but when we said on the first night that God's plan for restoration is so much different than ours, um, we're going to get into a little bit more about um, what does that plan actually look like? Because I don't know about you, but we've talked a lot yesterday, especially that relationships are hard and messy and and it feels like that's just what we're here on this earth to do is like be in relationships with people and then you become adult and there's so much adulting. Like anybody tired of adulting? I can't tell you how many sessions I have. I mean, this is, I mean, I need this myself. Like I'm tired of adulting, um, especially coming out of a deployment. I'm seriously, I'm so glad I'm here, y'all. I walked on the beach this morning by myself. I mean, I've had some quiet time because I have been tired of adulting. But um, I've had um, sessions with a lot of people lately who are just wrestling with relationships and wrestling with just their spirit and weariness. There's so much weariness across the board in our country and our world, but in our service culture, we are weary. We are weary for different reasons. We're weary in the job, we're weary in the lifestyle, we're weary with our kids, we're weary in our marriages, we're weary with life. Life got really hard and we're weary from that too. And I've had so many sessions where um, somebody goes, I just want to, I just want a moment to act like a child. Can I just do that for I me? Mean, like, you can do that in a session with me, sure. Wouldn't that be great? Don't you have moments where you're like, I want to pitch a fit for once. I want to just like, I want to throw myself on the ground and writhe and scream, kick and like act like a child and not have anybody correct me. Just get it out of my system. And then what? Then what? I don't know. What is that going to do, right? And that's what we do in our head. We talk ourselves out of it. We're like, oh my gosh, I would embarrass myself. And nothing good comes from it. And so they will, oh man, we push that down and we go, well, I'm just, I guess I'm just going to keep adulting, right? And man, is that hard. It costs something, doesn't it? So 
I know we're weary. I know we're weary. I know adulting is weary. I know relationships are messy and hard and it takes a lot of energy. Um, and all of it has to be worth something, right? It all has to have a reason to go somewhere. So we're going to unpack that this morning. So let's jump back into 2 Corinthians. Anybody else enjoying the new perspective of Paul um, and how human he actually is? Um, all right, quick review. Restoration requires longing. I'm gonna, everything is in threes, apparently, when you're supposed to teach and preach and whatever, everything has to be in threes. Um, I didn't do that on purpose. I think it's Jesus, but we'll just go with that. Um, restoration requires longing. I talked about that on the first night. Yesterday, restoration requires repentance. And I just wanna say to this crowd in particular, I mean, like, I hate even teaching on that word. Like, let's just be honest, that's a tough word. Like, nobody likes to hear, repent. You know, I mean, that's like a really tough thing to teach on. It's a really tough thing to hear. No, we don't like it. We don't, especially if somebody's saying it to us, like, you need to write yourself. Like, that's tough stuff. Like, nobody likes to hear that, right? But this is truth. And if we're going to restore relationships, we got to talk about what's true. And we got to talk about what's honest. And, and restoration does not happen without repentance. So here is the equation from yesterday. I decided to flip it upside down, okay? So it's the same equation, but I just, going from the bottom up, because I think it's kind of like a starting point. It didn't feel right for it to be going down, you know, we need to be going up. So it starts with honesty, just quick review. Starts with honest truth in what? Kindness, so important. Um, and it requires, and I know this is a two-part equation, right? Two people are involved in this kind of relationship thing. But what that, let's say, well, I mean, honesty kind of, kind of has to happen on both parts, right? Honesty of what you're saying, but also honesty of, can you take an honest look at yourself, right? The other, when you hear that and receive it, like it requires an honest self-assessment of what am I going to do now with that information? I have a choice to be honest with myself, and, and give you permission to have feelings and thoughts and value, and you have a right to ask me to change behavior, but simply because you exist, right? That's tough stuff. And I, listen, I know this can go in a lot of different directions. Like we said yesterday, talk with me afterwards if, if there's a caveat in there. But there's something about this equation that it's, you know what? <laughs> this is where it starts. This is where it starts. So... That honesty leads into what will, what will we do in response? There has to be, in order to have restoration, there has to be humility. And that humility is, <clears throat> is dependent on how willing you are to be humble, but also we talked about how quick you are, right? The longer we wait, the, longer, the more often we are destroying the relationship. The relationship is going to self-destruct. And then that humility can't stop there, right? Because that's just, I'm sorry, and I'm going to shame myself, right? So it's got to lead into action, which we talked about as humble repentance. Okay, so we are going to pick up with what happens with Paul and Titus. We're going to talk a little bit about more about Titus today. And so, um, again... Corinth has repented. Titus has brought this good news. And so let's see what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 7, 13 through 16. So this is Paul again. In addition to our own encouragement, so we're encouraged, we're excited, right? <clears throat> we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus, um, to see how happy Titus was about the way all of you welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I had told him how proud I was of you and you didn't disappoint me. I have always told the truth and now my boasting to Titus has also proved true. 
Now he cares for you more than ever when he remembers the way all of you obeyed him and welcomed him with such fear and deep respect. I am very happy now because I have complete confidence in you. All right, let's talk about Titus for a second. Titus is his apprentice, right? Now, there is also a book of Titus, which is Paul writing to Titus. And so Titus is a key player here, but Titus is an apprentice. He's learning under Paul, right? And so we, we actually see in, in chapter eight of 2 Corinthians, there's a mention that it's implied that Titus was actually the one that volunteered to go to Corinth. That says a lot about his character. It says a lot about like his faith in the whole thing, the whole, I don't want to call it a system, but this project, this mission, this calling that they're on, right? So he's like, I'll go. Surely this is going to get fixed. Surely we can work this out. <clears throat> send me. Here am I, send me, I'll go, right? So I don't know, like, I, want, I don't want us to skip over this because I think the Sunday school version of us would skip over this and go, here's Titus and Paul and aren't they perfect? They love Jesus so much. They just do all the right things. And I don't, I, again, I think they're, I mean, well, we know they're human people, right? And so again, there's, there's angst involved in all of this. When I look at Titus and I look at the response that he had, I think we need to camp out there for just a second because Paul has a lot tied into Titus. If you're sending your apprentice to go fix a problem, we now know that that problem was fixed. Isn't that great? They didn't know that was going to work out that way. So he has a lot tied up in Titus. This is like a baby. Not only is he kind of like a baby minister, a baby Christian, but Titus is a Gentile. He doesn't have the whole background of Jewish understanding and Jewish tradition. Like, this is fragile. Do you see how fragile this relationship is? Are you going to send, are you going to send that brand new private out on a mission by themselves? Good luck. Let me know if you need help. This is a fragile thing. And Titus is all, you know, that private's so excited, you know, and like they come in and they're like, give me a weapon, send me out there, you know, and there needs mentoring. Mentoring needs to happen because that's not what all this lifestyle is about. That's not what all, there is so much you need to learn and depth and understanding. And we don't just get out there just to fight for fighting's sake, right? This is not where dying on the, on the battlefield is not why we sign up. There's more to it than this. And this is a fragile thing. And Titus is excited. He's been studying under Paul. And so for Paul to send Titus nervously, there's something wrapped up in here. And so you know that when Paul sends him, he's like, oh, please let this go right. Please let this go right. Because Titus's faith is on the line, right? Like if, if he sends Titus and this falls apart, what does that say about this whole thing? Everything that he's been teaching Titus. What does that say about God? What does that say about Christ? What does that say about all the stuff that he has said about Christ and how Christ does this amazing thing where we come to him and we believe in him and it changes your life and then you, you start doing all the right things because you love Jesus and then we start treating people the way that Jesus treated people and then like everything gets better. And now this is blowing up in his face. And now we're going to send Titus to a bunch of Christians who are doing the exact opposite. How many of us have also been wounded by Christians not getting it right? I have. Many times. And it's painful. It's really painful. But we're human. 
And if we walk away with nothing else this weekend, we are imperfect and we're human. So Titus goes, and then surprise, surprise, Corinth comes through. Now, what I didn't tell you yesterday is that this wasn't a magic easy button where the entire Corinth church just suddenly, all of a sudden, with a great act of the Holy Spirit, 100% of everybody repented and, and just came flooding Paul's direction. Actually, no, there was a remnant that was still bickering, still a hot mess. And that's actually why we have 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is the letter of, okay, this was great. This was fantastic. But we have some more work to do, <laughs> right? Because there's still a few of you that are like still causing a lot of mess, right? So that's what 2 Corinthians is all about. So Titus comes back. And so I need some help here, okay? Tell me, what do you see? What happens? Just popcorn, yell it out. Tell me what what happens in Titus when he comes back? What is Paul saying? Just point out to me what happened in Titus when he came back. What shifted? What changed in Titus? What do you see? What is it? Come on, have confidence. Yes, his love grew. His love grew. It says um, that he loved you and then he was confirmed in that love and his love grew. What else do you see? He cares for them more than he did before. What else? He remembers their obedience. What did somebody else say? Happiness and joy. Okay, all of those are so important. He already was sold out. He was already sold out, but now this happened and now he goes and he sees what did Corinth do that was the catalyst for Titus growing in his faith? They repented. Man, there's that word again. What is the catalyst for restoration? Repentance. Honesty is important. Truth is important. But I hate to say it all, but repentance is the catalyst. Because it was Titus seeing that with his own eyes, with his own ears, experiencing it face to face, that it exploded a different kind of love and faith and like a ripple effect. He comes back and he is like, you're not gonna believe this, Paul. I was not expecting this to happen. I was, I mean, you said that they were amazing people, but then like all this stuff happened. And then I get there and then like they didn't, they didn't do what I thought they were gonna do. They responded like you said, like you taught that they were supposed to respond. Like it, it is actually real. It is actually true. And Titus grows in his faith and he goes on to build out and church plant three other locations. Far after Paul is gone and unavailable. Restoration is contagious. It's contagious. God's plan for restoration is not just for your relationships to be restored, not just for you to feel better, not just for that dissonance to end and resolution and, oh man, that felt great. That song ended just the way it was supposed to. Let's do it again. No, it's not just about us. And that's the great thing about God is that he's like, you know what? I love that you're having a great time with restoration in your own life, but there is a ripple effect that comes out from there. It's a catalyst that impacts far beyond what you could possibly imagine. And so if we're gonna talk about the little apprentices around us, if you have children, they are your little Tituses. 
They are, I hate to say it, but they are watching. And again, just in case the enemy is whispering lies of shame into your ear right now, remember, this is not about perfection, is it? It's about what? Repair. How you repair says everything. And how you repair comes from the catalyst of what? Repentance. Can you as a parent repent to your child? It is the most beautiful thing that you will ever experience in your relationship with your kids. And it's painful to do, but it is the most beautiful thing you could ever experience with your kids. And it's the most wonderful thing they will ever experience from you. Why? Because it is the catalyst. It gives them permission to be human. It gives them permission to see you as human. And they start to realize that you aren't perfect and that it's okay that you're not perfect. How you repair says everything about them, about you, and about where their faith goes. About the kind of mother, father, worker, whatever they do with their life. But there's this other little thing that I underlined because all that was about Titus. Let's talk about Paul again. And he says at the very end of this, this verse in verse 16, he goes, I'm very happy now because I have complete what? Confidence. Okay, this, this kind of stumped me. Because like, has Paul even gone to Corinth and talked to them? No, not since this happened, right? Has he had a conversation? Has he seen with his own eyes? No, wait a minute. I don't know about you, but when I'm in an argument with my husband, he might apologize, but the next day, I'm still kind of mad sometimes. Anybody else? How in the world does Paul suddenly have complete confidence? We're good, we're moving forward. I'm not gonna bring it up again. Okay, so this is where I have to have this little crisis moment where I go, all right, Paul, you're not perfect. You're supposed to be a human, right? So how'd you do that? Because I don't know how to do that. And I feel kind of convicted that I'm not doing that so easily, right? So what we can say for right now, though, can we, can we all agree from this, these couple of verses right here that the end of our equation is that restoration ends, if it's done correctly, it ends in both confidence of the relationship and impact. Can we agree with that? Okay. All right, so... Let's, let's talk about this confidence thing because I think this is the part that stumps everybody in relationships because it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, well, I don't know if I believe him. He said he was sorry. He asked for forgiveness. We had this great moment. I don't know. How, I don't know if I believe it. Right? Well, that's why action is so important. By the way, if you want to learn how to earn trust back in your relationship, here's the equation. Another equation. I do everything in equations apparently. All right. Do the right thing for the right reason, for a really long time. That's it. That's how you build trust. Do the right thing for the right reason for a really long time. And this process is doing the right thing. What's the reason? Because we have a longing to restore the relationship. For a really long time builds confidence. Why? Because the more we cycle through learning to repair the relationship over and over and over again, because we're human and we might get it wrong, we might accidentally slam a door, we might accidentally say something the wrong way, 
you know, when we, we cycle through this more and more and more, builds confidence in the relationship. That's how you build security in your relationship. You were created by God to long for healthy, restored relationships. Just like our children get that odd body part of ours, like DNA-wise, like they get your eyes or your nose or your ear or something like It's like just in their DNA. God is a God of relationships. He's a God that is loving and kind and good. There's a great quote with C.S. Lewis in the, in the book, in the Narnia series, where the kids are talking and they haven't seen Aslan the lion who represents Christ, you know. And they say, ooh, he's a lion. Like, aren't you scared of him? Like, lions are kind of scary. And their response is, oh, he's definitely scary. He's definitely scary, but he is good. That goodness of God is in his DNA. And you have been imprinted with that. Every bit of love that you can ever muster, that longing that you have in your spirit to restore a relationship, that doesn't come from you. It's the DNA that's been created in you by God to long for it. It came from him. But God knew relationships aren't good when like there's no choice in the matter. There's, they just aren't, they just aren't good. You know what I mean? If there's no like humility and action and repentance, if nobody is ever choosing you, what kind of relationship is that? Everybody loves to be chosen. Everybody loves to feel valued and like you're worth something. And that choice, that choice to choose you, choosing any action in relationship costs something. Every action costs something when you're restoring a relationship. Repentance is choosing to say, I'm going to push down my feelings of wanting to be right and ask for forgiveness because you feel wronged and I love you so deeply and I value who you are that I don't want you to feel hurt. So I'm gonna sacrifice this thing in me that wants to just be right and that doesn't want to be wrong. Humility is an action. To humble yourself and choose something different. And you know what humility means, by the way? Anybody seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Okay, remember that scene at the end where it's the penitent man shall pass? Does anybody remember what he has to do? What's the obstacle? What does he have to do to get through the obstacle? 80s quiz. He has to kneel. He has to kneel. Because everybody had gone before him, walked through and got their head cut off. A penitent man shall pass. Penitent heart kneels. Humility is kneeling. It's an action of the heart, sometimes physically. When you, you may or may not knelt in front of your spouse to propose to them, it's a still an act. And asking is an act of humility. It's a like, you may say no. Will you please say yes? 
right? Right? Humility is, is a vulnerable thing. Humility is this, a penitent man shall pass is saying, I'm gonna expose my neck because you have every right to chop my head off. I recognize that I wronged you. And so I'm gonna expose my neck to you and say, have mercy, have mercy. I'm just a human that's trying to get it right. Please accept me that I'm trying. I will, I will embrace the fact that I got it wrong and I'm just gonna humble myself and say, I'm human, I got it wrong. And some of you are still chopping off your spouse's head anyways with your words. How you repair says everything about whether or not your relationship is restored. So how do we have this confidence? How does Paul do this? Because this is hard. This is hard stuff. It's hard for me too. Like, man, it's hard. Every single time we have that maturity battle, you know? And my husband, this is how I know my husband is, is gonna win. This is exactly what he does. We're arguing, we're fussing. You know, remember, starting off he had a temper, right? Escalate, zero to 60. So now, this is what he does. We'll, we'll start arguing and he goes, <sighs> he looks down like this. And then he looks at me and he goes, so what I hear you saying is. <laughs> and then usually I cuss, because he won. No, because I mean, there's, the, and that's not a humble response in me. That's a like a prideful, because now like I have lost and you have won, so why should I like humble myself now? Now we're gonna really fight, right? I have to make a choice, right? So this is hard. I understand this is hard. So let's, let's see where Paul gets this confidence because Paul is human too. And he didn't get this right simply because it's like magic and Paul just knew what the equation was. Um, Paul has had an experience, right? So let's go back a couple chapters and see what he says. I'm actually gonna read the um, couple of verses right before this. So let me read um, starting in verse 16. So Paul says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Paul chose, he made a choice. That doesn't mean it was easy. He made a choice. When Titus came back, don't mistake this. This, was, this, was, this wasn't necessarily easy for Paul to say, I have confidence. This was a choice to believe. Why? because Paul had already been through an experience with God where God had chosen him. God had already chosen him. 
And so he had to make the choice of, do I believe what has actually happened in my life and has it changed me enough to believe that if God says that they're a new creation, if God, if Christ has said that they're humans, they're humans, give them another chance. They're a new creation. Then he's saying, I have to make the choice to either believe that or not believe it. So then let's see what he says. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Paul is saying God did it first. That whole equation, God did it first. His whole plan this whole time was he knew relationships are better when people make choices, when they lean in. And they want the relationship and they want it restored. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? So let's go back to this equation. God knew relationships were better with a choice. So God leaned in first. He knew we didn't have the capacity to do it. Our carnal nature, our sinful nature, is so tempted every single time to go the worldly grief path where we just go, this is too hard. Like, ugh. The truth, the honesty for God to say, when he goes, looks across the Old Testament, all that time that God spent with his people, when he, the whole entire Old Testament is God trying to lean in. He's trying to lean in. He's trying to go like, I'm trying, I'm trying to give you a chance. Just lean back, open up your hearts, come back to me. I'm trying, I'm trying to come your direction. I need, I'm, 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 I'm going to even give you 10 commandments to follow. Can we just start there? Like if you do these 10, that's your way of leaning in. And when they're still getting it wrong because they're flawed and they have a choice and they, they kept not choosing him. They kept choosing the worldly grief of shame and destruction. And it's easier if we just worship other things. And this is too hard. And like, we can't even see him. And like, who is this God thing, you know? And so it's just easier if we just do with whatever's in front of us that we can see. And so God steps in with the truth. And the truth is, you are choosing death. Every time you choose an idol, every time you choose something that has no life or breath or love, you're choosing something that is fake and false and like chaff in the wind. It will just blow away in a moment's notice. It doesn't last. The truth is you're choosing every time a direction that leads to the destruction of your soul and the destruction of your relationships and your, the destruction of the relationship with me. There's a gap here. There's a gap here. And so you know what he does? He leans in even farther and he just goes, you know what? I'm going to act. I'm going to choose. I'm going to show you what humility looks like. I'm going to humble myself, the God of creation that created those rocks out in the ocean that are crying out to God in the roars of the waves. And I mean, you can't go out there and not feel that. Like 
Even creation is groaning and calling out to God. This same God humbled himself as an example because he loves you that much that he's gonna lean into that longing and he's gonna go, I'm gonna show you because you can't see it. So I'm gonna come down there and I'm gonna show you so you can see it with your eyes. It will be unmistakable what humility looks like. It costs something to act. And it cost him everything. And then he gets here and he gives more. In the face of us still choosing another direction. In the face of us denying him to his face. In a small, tiny way, isn't that what Paul went through? Like right to his face. Why didn't he retaliate? Because Christ didn't retaliate. He had an example. He's seen this before. And what does Christ do? He gives even more. He leans in. And it costs something. When we choose and we give up something, it says something of value to the other person. You matter that much that I would give something up for that. That changes a person. When you sacrifice your pride, when you sacrifice your retaliation, he says, I choose you every time. And then there's nothing left, right? There's nothing left but your response. What do you do? What are you going to do? God can't lean in any more than he already did. He can't give any more than he already did. That's why we have scripture It's written in stone, literally. He already gave everything. He already leaned in as far as he can lean in. Now it's your choice. Which path do you go? Do you go the worldly path of destruction? For what reason? To be alone? To feel the lack of restoration in your soul? Or do you take the next step? And here's the great thing. Because God's plan is so much bigger than ours, Restoration has an, ex- an external impact, a ripple effect. That's why we're still talking about it today. And when you make that choice to come back to God or maybe make the decision for the first time to say, I, I don't know what all this is about. It seems kind of kooky to me. But something in my soul just is longing for something outside of myself because I, I'm, I'm tired tired of trying to do it by myself. I'm out of strength and I keep messing it up. I need something outside of me and yet something that my soul is crying out to, this thing outside of me, this DNA, this attachment that's there, this thread and it feels faint but it's there and so I might just be willing to lean in and see what what it's about. And when you make that choice it has a ripple effect. It changes your life. And it, sometimes it changes in a moment. And sometimes it's a gradual shift that grows over time as you continue to get to know this amazing relationship. In closing, some of you have n- never made that decision. Some of you have been scared to make that decision. Some of you have experienced things in your life, 
Some of you have done things in your life that make it very hard for you to feel like you can approach a God that good. He's not surprised by anything that's happened in your life. He's not surprised by the choices you made. He's not surprised the calling that's been on your life. He probably created you to do what you do. And he was with you when you did what you did. He didn't go anywhere. He's been here the whole time. And he's a good God. And he can handle whatever you bring to him. Maybe someone else, it's been a while since you've heard from God. He's kind of gotten quiet. And this is a relationship like any other relationship. And we can grieve the spirit. I loved how we talked, we sang that hymn before we started about God in three persons, blessed Trinity. If you're kind of new to all this stuff, that kind of sounds kind of weird. Like how can God be like three persons at the same time? We have God, the creator, and we've talked about him sending his son who was fully God and fully human. But we in a relationship with God can grieve the spirit by choosing those things, choosing the worldly path that leads to this kind of like muddled relationship with God. It's kind of like when COVID hit and Zoom was like, all, everybody was taking up all the bandwidth, you know? Like that's what our relationship with God is like. And when you take up all that bandwidth with all the junk, and it's just been a long time since you've gone through this process with God, if it's been a while since you've been through this with God, it's, mu it's just muddled up. It's not that something's wrong with you. It's just that you stopped engaging in repair, daily repair with God. There might be something that you have not repented in your own life and you can't hear God, not because he's not talking and it's not because he's far from you because he is definitely in this room. It's just you can't hear it because you've clouded it up with all of this lack of repentance because what is the catalyst of restoration? Repentance. And yet we're so afraid to even do that with God. It's a risk, it costs something. It costs discomfort. It costs some tears. It costs some scary feelings of like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna smite me down? Or are you gonna accept me as I am? Good thing he's a loving God. He's scary, but he is so good because he chooses love every time. Let me pray for us. And I want you to spend some time in worship. Wherever you are in your heart, wherever you are in your heart today. If you have never made a relationship with Christ official, it's so easy. It's not complicated. It's just choosing to, to believe the story that God went through this process so, and humbled himself so much that he, he says, I, you're worth that to me. Start there. Just say, I'm, I'm willing to believe that. As we sing, if you, if you want prayer, I'm gonna be down here in the front to pray with you. I'm not expecting you though to come out of your seats. I, this is a time for you to spend in worship. This is our, our last chance, at least this weekend, to spend time in corporate worship. So 
Worship God wherever you are. Open your heart as David, the special ops warrior of the Old Testament. He was. Him and his mighty men killed men with his bare hands. Amazing, amazing man. Psalm 51 is his cry out to God in repentance. So go back and read it sometime. Anytime you need to figure out like, how do you, how do you get your heart in that place? He says, create in me a clean heart, God. Restore a right spirit in me. He exposes his neck to this God and says, do something new in me. Maybe that's your prayer and worship. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for an amazing weekend. Thank you for the weather. Thank you for um, your, the beauty that's been all around us. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the love and the compassion of this amazing team and location that would serve us in such a beautiful way. Thank you for Paul. He endured so much. And if he complained about it, I don't even know if we have record of it, but he endured so much and I'm so thankful that he endured it because we have an example, a human example, a flawed human example of what it means to, to get it right as best as you can. Thank you for your son, for loving us that much that you would not just expect us to guess or get it right or just be mad at us all the time when we can't, that you loved us so much that you would just like, just come down in such a beautiful fatherly way and show us and model it. Forgive us for grieving your heart. Forgive us for staying distant from you, for being afraid of you, for staying busy, for harboring anger at other people or anger at ourselves. Forgive us for being afraid. We're just afraid. We're afraid of being hurt. We're afraid of not being accepted. We're afraid of you not accepting us. And so we hide. But just like the the garden in the very beginning, you have always come looking for us. Thank you for that. So we welcome you to come look for us again, knowing that you never stop. I don't know how you do that, but I'm so grateful. Search our hearts, show us your love, show us you're safe. And in your forgiveness, change us, help us to be better People, fathers, mothers, wives, women, men, warriors, warriors for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.